Family and I managed to have a few days off over Christmas. Unfortunately, I was um, a little bit ill at the beginning of Christmas. I had a particularly bad uh, sinus infection. Uh, I praised the Lord for antibiotics, which are gifts of grace for us that killed it. Um, so I managed to survive that. Um, but we had a good time, a good break, but we're back in 2016, raring to go. What's going to happen? This week, next week, we've got a couple of sermons. What, what I want to do is I want to do this week, I want to spend a little bit of time reviewing where we're going as a church. Just to remind you at the outset of a new year, this is what we're about, this is where we're going. If you're new to us here, this gives you a great insight to what we're about at a church. If you've been here a while, hopefully it'll be a reminder, stir your faith, excite you. I then also want to have a look back this week at what God has done with us through us in 2015. So have a sort of a review, and the purpose of that review is to build faith in us, but also to produce thankfulness and worship at what God has done with us and how gracious and good he's been. So at the end, when we spend some time kind of singing, we're going to be a thankful people praising God. Then next week, what I want us to do is, uh, as part of our fifth birthday celebration, so we're going to look into 2016, some things I think God has kind of asked us to do, and I wanted to go kind of go through our to-do list for this year and actually be excited in what, this is what God's done. Faith, this is what God can do with us this year, and we're going to lay some things before him, saying, Lord, this is what we want to see you do through us. So that's what we're going. Now, this year, first of all, let's remind ourselves a bit about us as a church. First one, a purpose, which should be written up here. Every week we have our purpose written up and our vision. We're going to go through them. Our purpose as a church, what we're about, what we exist for. Why are we here? And we, we keep going on about this. We keep doing it. The reason is to remind us. Our minds are are unfortunate things that they, we forget easily, even important things we can forget with the business of life, things coming in. So we need to keep reminding ourselves, what are we about as a church? Our purpose statement is, we believe real life is having a relationship with Jesus, following the example of Jesus and changing our world with Jesus. To sum up, it's all about Jesus. That's what we're about. We believe Jesus was who he says he was. We believe he was God the Son who came to earth. He was born of a virgin. He took on human flesh. He was fully man and fully God. He lived a perfect life. He then died on a cross in our place for our sins. He rose victorious from the grave, full bodily resurrection, had a glorified body, appeared to his followers, and then ascended into heaven, where he sits now at the right hand of the Father. And one day he will return to judge all mankind, living and dead. We believe that, and we believe everything in life is connected to him. He's the most important person who has ever lived and ever will live. All history is understood through Christ and him alone. Okay, that's what we're about. So our purpose is all about Jesus, and we want to give everybody the opportunity to get to know him. So we proclaim him every week. We try and live out our lives in such a way that will point to him. And we want to give everyone the opportunity to make the decision for themselves. We think it's the most important decision you will ever make is your, who you think Jesus is and how that affects your life. And we are unashamed about that. And there are other important decisions in life, but they all pale into insignificance about that one. Who is Jesus? How do we live our life in relation to him? And ultimately, we just want people to come to know him because we think he's good to know. He's a good God. Hands up here if you know Jesus. It's a good thing, right? 
Yeah, it's a good thing. It's not just a good thing, it's the best thing. So our purpose as a church, our unchanging purpose, is to get people to know about Jesus. And we do all our events and all our activities and all the things we do, and we preach on a Sunday, and we sing our songs, and we run things out in the community. It's for people to come to know Jesus. So that's our purpose. That's where we're going, but that's what we're about. Where are we going as a church? Our vision. This is what we feel God has called us to as a people. And Melanie mentioned just now it's our fifth birthday. Um, this kind of month, I think it was the, I, I look back in my calendar, I think it was the 12th of January, we had what we called a blue sky day, where we gathered, there were 10 of us there, two kids, and we wrote down a whole bunch of things of what do we feel God has called us to as a church. And then a couple of weeks later, we had our first public meeting right at the end of January, and that was five years ago. And we kind of, what has God called us to? What, what are the things we want to see? And, and as out of that kind of, and the things we've been praying, the things we've got to say, we thought, this is where we feel God's calling us and where we're going ultimately. And there were lots of details in there and things we wanted to see, but we had some headlines as a church. And we believe God has called us to be a large, influential, reproducing church. That's the kind of the direction we're heading in. And when you say it like that, it sounds pretty ridiculous when there were 10 of you in a room and two children you know even if we counted the kids if we counted legs there still weren't many of us you know there just there wasn't a lot of us there but we felt this is what God called us to and we, we believe that with conviction in our heart because we believe that's what it says in God's word and also what God has spoken to us as a people and I want to just go through that to remind us what God's word says about some of these things and what God has said to us as a church in ourselves so God's plan has always been from the very beginning to have a people for himself and he always wanted lots of them. What did he do? He created, in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth, and then who did he put in the middle of it? He put Adam and Eve, two people. He put them in the garden. And what's the first thing God asked them to do? Multiply. We won't dwell in too much, but that basically is have sex. That's a good thing. But it's basically multiply. Make more of you. Fill the earth that I have created. Subdue it. You know, be creative with it. But do that. Grow as a people. So that's God's, always been God's plan. I want a people for myself, and I want it to multiply and grow. I want more and more. We fast forward the story a bit, and we go to Genesis chapter 12, and there's a man named Abraham. And God appears to Abraham, and he says to him, Abraham, I've chosen you out of all the peoples on the earth, and I'm going to make you into a great nation, a mighty nation, that your descendants will be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. So I'm going to multiply. And if you've thought about it, if you've ever been out somewhere where there's no light pollution, you can actually see the stars in the sky. There are a lot of them. And if you've been to a beach, there's a lot of grains of sand on the, shore, on the seashore. And God said, I want a people for myself. And we follow the story of Abraham. He had a son, Isaac. He had a son, Jacob, who had 12 sons. We, we looked at him at the beginning of the year. Joseph was one of his sons. And that story and how God multiplied and they went to Egypt and they became a mighty nation there. And then he brought them out of Egypt because they were in slavery to Pharaoh. And he brought them into the land that he had also promised them. And they were suddenly a nation numbering millions, maybe. So he, he had multiplied those nations. But then God had also said, if you read through the prophetic literature in the Bible, it's actually, it's not just going to be the physical descendants of Abraham. It's not just going to be an ethnic people. God says, I'm going to take you, Israel, and you are going to be a light to the Gentiles, which is everybody else. You're going to be a light. And actually it says the nations, the other nations, are going to come to you and worship me, God says. So actually there's going to be a bigger thing than just the ethnic kind of physical descendants of Abraham. I said, I want people that go across all groups, all nations are going to come to me. And then we see Jesus come. 
And Jesus comes and he brings in the kingdom that God promised, and he's the promised Messiah. He takes 12 guys, he trains them throughout his life. He dies on the cross, he rises from death, um, victorious, and then he gathers them together and all his other followers, and he says, what did he say? He says, go to all the nations. That's the world, that's the rest of the world. Break out of just where we are in ethnic Israel, a Jewish thing. He says, I want you to go to all the nations and make disciples of them and train them and teach them with what I've commanded you. Teach them, baptize them, and so it's going to grow and grow. And we read in the book of Galatians, one of Paul's letters, he said, if you are, but if you are, you have faith in Christ, you're actually an heir to the promise of Abraham. So if you're a believer here and you believe in Jesus, you're actually an heir to that promise that God gave Abraham how many thousand years ago? So that promise about the descendants being so multiplied is because actually it contains all the people who've ever put their faith and trust in Jesus, numbering millions, billions of us. And so there it is. And if we read the book of Acts, after Jesus has gone to heaven, he sent the, the Spirit at Pentecost, you have this phrase come up time and time again, the church multiplied, it grew, it gathered in number, they, they preach a sermon and several thousand suddenly get saved. And you're like, wow, that's really great. And it grows and grows and then we see them planting churches, and then we fast forward to the end of the book, which we had a little look at before Christmas, and what do we see? A great multitude before the throne, and it has this phrase, John says, I saw a great multitude that no one could number, from every tribe, nation, people, language, standing before the throne, Revelation 7, and so there is, God's plan is to have a lot of people to come and worship him, a vast number. If you can count them, I like to think, if you can count them, there aren't enough. Because <laughs> it, it was a multitude no one could number, he makes that comment. So there's a lot of people there. So God has always wanted a people for himself, and he's wanted a lot of them to come to know. And as we began to start this church, back when there were just a small number of us, and we were praying and saying, God, this is a big deal, what's going to happen? What are you going to do? He said, I want you to grow, I want you to multiply. He, uh, one guy came and prophesied over me before we moved here, and um, our eldest son, Levi, you saw down here, he had just been born, um, and he was a big baby. And when you, are, when you are, have a child in the NHS, you get this red book, the red book, the baby Bible, that they plot every possible conceivable thing about your child, and you fret over them whether your child is growing enough and your head is big enough and all these things. And they plot it on a, part, a, a graph and it's how big is your child and they've got there's the average and there's the, the upper percentile and the lower percentile and your child should somewhere be in there and it should be growing healthily and feeding. And uh, Levi was way above the scale. He was like 98 percentile all the way. Big, 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 big baby. Big respect to my wife. But a big baby. And someone came and prophesied over us and said, as you're... Son has grown ahead of the curve, so real life church will grow ahead of the curve, and so we will grow and multiply, he said. And we were like, whoa. At that point, there was just a handful of us. You think, God, how are you going to do that? But that's what God has said to us, and we are believing it. So we believe God has called us to be a large church. Even just looking around in five years, we've grown and multiplied. God has done this, and uh, we believe in faith that it will continue. Second thing he's asked us to be is an influential church. So we're going to grow large, that's what we want. He wants lots of people to come and worship him. And he wants us to be influential. Men, uh, God has always used men and women in worldly kind of power structures to be influential for his kingdom. He's always used men and women for that. There's some in the Bible. There was Joseph, who we preached about this year, last year, sorry. He was a prime minister in Egypt. Pagan nation. All these false gods they worshipped. He became second to Pharaoh. And he was influential, and God used him to save the embryonic nation of Israel and his family, it was at that point.
God used him. There's Daniel, who was in Babylon, another pagan nation. Uh, Israel had actually been destroyed at that point. They'd been taken into exile. God used this man who loved the Lord and served him and wouldn't bow and bend to pressure. And God used him. So the king, the pagan king, ended up praising the God of Daniel, the God of Israel. He said, actually, your God is amazing for all the things he did. There's Queen Esther. You read the book of Esther. In Persia, another pagan nation. And she was raised up to be queen. And through her influence, God used her to save again the nation, the Jewish nation, which was in exile at that point. So they weren't all killed. There wasn't genocide. There's Nehemiah, again, in, um, Persian, uh, in Persia. But God used him to return to Jerusalem to rebuild it because it had been destroyed in the temple. Again, God had used these people. Then when Jesus came, he spoke to all his followers on the Sermon on the Mount. And what did he say to them? He said, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He said, you, you're that. You're, you're my followers. You are that. And salt and light cannot be hidden. You put light in a dark room, it, you, don't have to, you don't have to tell it to do anything. It just does it. It is. It's light. It just banishes the darkness. It's shine. You put salt on food, it brings out the flavor. That's what it's there for. It stops decay in the food. That's what it does. It just by its very presence there. And that's what we are called to be. And as we were coming to plant the church, I was reading through my Bible in the year and I got to Jeremiah. Um, and I read this passage in Jeremiah 29. And it said this. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles to whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So it's after Jerusalem's been destroyed. They're all in Babylon, a pagan nation. And it says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and uh, give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And I felt very strongly as I read that, that God was speaking to us about what we'd be as a church, that we would be influential for his kingdom in the city that he has sent us to, which is this one. That we would be men and women who would seek the good and the welfare of our city, that would pray for our city, that would be a positive influence. The fact that we're here would do good to the city. It would add something to it. And this would be, um, we could do it corporately, as a church in how we serve and when we look at some of the things um, later that kind of the, that God has done through this year we can see that but also very much individually wherever you find yourself for the rest of the week which is most of your time God will use you there to be influential for his kingdom and my prayer is that we have men and women in this church that almost kind of cover all aspects of life of this city you've got things like education and schools being teachers and parents of children, that you will be a blessing to those places. You'll be the best kind of teachers you can be. You'll be the best parents in serving the school that you can be. You'll be an influence there. Those who work in business and finances, that we'd have excellent businesses that, that serve their customers well, that provide good products, that are good places to work. Those who work in local government and law and just seeing justice and making this city run smoothly. Those who are in arts and music and film and creativity and, and express something of the wonderful creativity of God through those mediums that just speak something good as a blessing to others. Those in medicine and health that will bring caring with dignity um, to those who suffer and those who are in need and we can love and care for those. Even just in sports and recreation that we will be a place that we will be able to have fun and enjoy ourselves because God is the God of fun. And he brings enjoyment, and that's just all good stuff. And that we will seek to care for our city. 
And that is my heart, that we will be influential for God's kingdom. I believe as we grow and multiply, we will have more and more influence to be able to speak out for the things of God. And wherever you find yourself tomorrow morning, God has called you there to be influential, to actually praise Him, to bring His, His sense of justice and mercy, and to be the best you can in that situation. So I believe that's what God's called us to as an influential church. And the last one is that we would be reproducing that we would not be a church that terminate on ourselves. All the good things that come to us, that we would be giving that out and we would be reducing. reproducing. When um, Jesus went to heaven, he got his followers together and he said, go and make disciples of me. Go and reproduce. You're my disciples. Now go and make more. Go and make more and more. It was never going to be just then. And read the, the kind of the story of the early church. It's a story of multiplication and reproducing. More and more people come to know Jesus. More and more churches are planted. People are sent out on missionary journeys. Paul and Barnabas and others, and they go and plant churches. There's an interesting uh, bit. If you read Acts chapter 13 through to kind of most way through Acts chapter 14, you see this series of church after church being planted. New churches. It goes from Cyprus to Perga, Perga to Antioch in Pisidia, to Iconium, to Lystra, to Derbe, and they all go back to where they started, which is another place called Antioch. And all these churches being planted, they were reproducing. It wasn't something that was there. We read uh, elsewhere Paul's letter to Timothy, his second letter, he says to Timothy, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. So Paul says, what I've learned, I've given to you, Timothy, you trust the faithful men who will then in turn teach others. There's four generations there. There's a reproducing of what God has done. And we as a church want to reproduce. We want to reproduce ourselves in terms of people coming to know Jesus, becoming disciples, and actually saying, oh, there's more people coming to know, more disciples happening. We're fulfilling what God has said. But also, we want to reproduce on a higher level and actually plant other churches. We started one. We want to be able to send people to start churches in this city and beyond this nation and the nations of the world. And as we were coming to plant this church, we had um, four people come to Melanie and I on four separate occasions in four different places and all unconnected and they all said the same thing to us and you think when God speaks four times to you you take note and they all said the same thing which was dead weird when they said it to us and they said we see that your this church you're going to start is going to be like a strawberry plant and the strawberry plant is the official plant of real life church um, and apparently strawberry plants the way they work is you plant one I don't really know this. I've read this on Wiki, but I, ma- I know it's true. But we, you plant a, a, a strawberry plant, and it grows, and it bears fruit. And I know this is true because someone gave us a strawberry plant a couple of years into the church. They heard this term, and they said, I'll tell you what, we'll give Stuart Melanie a strawberry plant, which is really sweet and kind of them, but they don't know we murder plants. It's just one of the things we do. Anyone gives us those stuff, we just, we, we just kill them. But this one has survived, which I think is a good prophetic sign. Um, and it grows, and it produces strawberries, real strawberries. The kids have eaten them, and they're still alive. So it's good fruit. Um, and so we had a strawberry plant, and it grew. But what they do is, when, if you let them, they send out runners, like shoots, little green things that go along the ground, and they go into the ground. And when they go into the ground, what happens? Another plant grows. So the mummy plant, the, the, the first plant, then grows, and suddenly there are two plants. And then what happens is the second plant does the same thing again. And if you've gone and seen wild strawberries, it's an absolute mess. Because there is all these plants all connected by these runners. You almost don't know where one started and one finished. They're just, and they're all producing fruit. And we believe God has, has called us as a church to be a strawberry plant. Now, don't push me on exactly what that means because I don't know. 
But what I do know is that God has spoken and I'm going to believe him and I'm going to pray into it. And so my heart is that we would plant other churches. We would send out people. We would see people saved in this church and come to know Jesus for themselves. We would send people abroad to serve other nations and see people become Christians over there. And we would have reach and we would reproduce as much as we can and all the time bearing great fruit for God. So that's kind of where we're going as a church. Hopefully that's a reminder for you all. So that's where we are. That's where we're going long term. And I've been preaching that since the church began and there are only a few of us in a room and God has been good to us. Then for this, for last year, we kind of tried to put together some things we wanted to achieve during the year. And we came up with kind of come and get, go and show. And the reason we, we did that was, I've got to get this right. Over a year ago, we had a guy come and visit named Julian Adams. Anyone remember that visit? We had a few of us who were there, and uh, he was a, he's a guy we know. He's got a very powerful prophetic gift, a lovely man, and he came to us, and we, I basically invited him in because Mel and I have known him for a number of years, and we said, can you just come and have an evening with us, and we'll worship, and you can just, you know, whatever you think God's saying to us as a people, come and bring it, and then we'll weigh it and work it through. And it was an amazing time, and he prophesied over some people, and he prophesied over us as a church, and we took some of that and said, right, okay, how are we going to respond to what God's saying to us. And he said some of these things to us, which hopefully I just want to remind you to stir you in faith, and then we'll look at some of the things we did specifically this year. He said to us as a church, he said, God has called you to be unashamedly drinkers of the Spirit, those who would soak and drink. Your best strategies are going to come from the river. Even as David found his best weapons in the river, referring to David and um, when he found the, the stones for his sling to kill Goliath in the river. So you'll find your best weapons, your best strategies in the river. And others will go to conferences and this strategy and that strategy. God says, come to the river. Because in the river, I'm going to give you my best ideas. He also said, the Lord says what's going to mark you out as a church is your ability to worship. There's going to be a prophetic anointing on you as a church. There's going to be a flow in worship that will reach levels of intimacy and ecstasy that will begin to shape an atmosphere and change the way things that have done. You'll accomplish more in extended worship than you will in strategic meetings. Get ready to become a worshipping church. He also said there's a thing that's going to mark this church. There's going to be a significant children's work. We started with two children, one children, two children. We've got quite a few more now. So I think that's a good one coming about. And you're going to have a great work amongst the kids. He also said there's going to be an acceleration coming to this church and growth. And God says you're built to build for growth, not maintenance. So there were two kind of things. We tried to kind of pull it all together and said, so there's very much a come. You need to come to God. You need to come to Him. You need to get, find um, your strength and your strategy in Him, in worshipping Him, in praising Him, in getting to know Him, in times of prayer and singing, all those kind of things. You need to come to Him. But at the same time, there's going to be a going. You're going to grow. You've got to go out. You've got to go out and kind of see things happen, particularly in the area of children. So, what we did is we put together a bunch of things along these two lines, and I just want to review them. I'll run through them quickly. Some of the things we said we'd do this year and how they went. And some of them you might remember because you're a part of them. Some of them might be new to you, but lots of encouraging things. So, first one, for the come and get, we did come and get first. So, come, first one was come to life groups. Our life groups are our midweek meetings. We run them every week. Um, and they're informal settings in homes where you can come and you know when you come you're going to get fed because we're going to eat together, uh, we're going to talk to each other and then we're going to be praying. So there's that kind of engaging with God as well and we're going to run them every week and we encourage everyone in the church to be connected to a life group. No excuses, it's, it's the best place for you. It's the place we care for you. If you don't go to a life group, you cannot get cared for. It doesn't happen in this meeting. 
We can pray for you a little bit and we can chat to you, but actually in terms of ongoing care and people getting to know you, it's got to happen in, in the life groups because that's where you've got a bit more time and space and you can build more meaningful relationships in a smaller context. So we said, come and grow. We've, we multiply to five groups we've got now um, in, in the church. And I think I'm hearing one's getting bigger already, so we might be moving to six soon. So they are excited. We trained a whole bunch of new leaders and got them leading groups, so we have new people leading groups. So they've been great times this year. So we've had life groups. Come and do life with lots of good stuff going there. Um, The next one was come to church at prayer. What we do in our life groups is we meet twice, um, two weeks, where we come together in the home in the small context, and in the third week, we have life group where we basically all come together to pray that prophetic word about coming to the river and getting, getting time with God and hearing from God and bringing requests to God and, and communing with Him, that's when that happens. So we have, uh, we have life group, life group, prayer, particularly. So life group in home, and then we have life group all together where we pray together. And they, for me, have been some of the best meetings of the year. We've run them all year, we've run them the year before, and they are the best things. And we're coming up, we've got one, not this week, the week after but they're excellent times to have a couple of uninterrupted hours with Jesus because you're there, the kids are kind of taken care of, from, either, you know, someone's got them covered, and you just get to come and focus. So we've had some excellent times in prayer. If you don't get to those, come to those. They are fantastic. The next one was we said come to the Catalyst Festival. We're part of a network of churches um, called Catalyst, and we had the festival in 2015 where about 3,500, I think, people went camping at the showground near Coventry. Uh, we took, as far as I'm aware, about 90 of us from here went. Who went? Yeah, fantastic. Um, we had an absolutely brilliant time. For me, it was the highlight of the year, kind of in the church calendar. We camped together, and I'm not a camper, but I loved it. I had a really good time. The weather's amazing. We ate together. We had a big marquee where we all, we all we cooked for each other, and we all fed it together, so food was all taken care of. The kids had a whale of a time. There were some great meetings where you got into large context, 1,000 plus people worshipping God, they had great kids work, great youth work, loads of fun activities to do kind of in the afternoon, just hanging out uh, and things like that. We had an absolutely amazing time. So that was brilliant. I know people there went there and people met with God and heard with God. Some people came Christians there that we took. We had a brilliant time. That was absolutely amazing. So the Fatalist Festival was fantastic. The next thing we all said was come on the Freedom in Christ course. Now, Freedom in Christ course, we started in September. We're about halfway through. Who's been ca- keeping up on that? Good, yes. We've got the second half we're going to start in a couple of weeks, and we'll run through it, and we'll finish it out. It has been brilliant. We're only halfway through, and I think it's brilliant already, and I know there's another half to come. If you've missed any of it, the sermons are all on the web. Just go and listen to them so you can catch up. My plan is, hopefully, I'm trying to listen to them again before we start, just to remind myself, because we had a break for Christmas, and we had the Christmas series so it's kind of like, let's remind ourselves where we are. If you haven't done that, go and do that. But the Freedom in Christ course is brilliant. God has already, I know for my life, God has highlighted some people I need to forgive. Even on the first session, there was a, an old school teacher. I suddenly realized I hadn't forgiven for something they'd done to me. And it's like, oh, no. So I dealt with that. And there's some other stuff that's come up that I've had to be dealing with that God's been doing. So the Freedom in Christ course has been absolutely excellent this year. We also said, come on Sundays and learn about Joseph. We preached through the entire back end of Genesis covered it all, the life of Joseph, saw how God was using him to save a nation and how it fit in God's big purpose. So we had a brilliant time preaching through Joseph. If you missed out all those sermons on the web, you can go and have um, a listen to that uh, and catch up on that. Um, next one was we asked, we're going to have some visiting speakers 
uh, which we didn't know at the time, that's why there was a question mark, but we had Andy Martin. Does anyone remember Andy Martin coming? He preached in October, end of October, beginning of November. Andy Martin is one of the elders down in the church in the centre of town, Church Central, um, one of the other the New Frontiers churches that we're connected to. I've known him for many, many years before we got married. Uh, Mary and I have both known him. Um, and we are basically asked him, say, can you come, give us some input, and actually come and start help us as a church, give us a bit of oversight. He's a kind of a, a father figure like that. He'll come and give us some input. He started meeting with us as leaders, helping us. He came, he shared some stuff, because uh, we took an offering uh, for the refugees crisis, and he ov- he's involved with a church in Turkey that is literally on the ground with hundreds and hundreds of refugees who've been fleeing uh, the fighting in Syria and other places. And we took uh, an offering uh, that we gave to the church so they could help on the ground. I think we raised just over £3,000, so thank you for all who gave, but that's gone to them. They were overwhelmed with it, and it's going to go help him do that. So Andy came, and we're going to book him in. He'll be coming again um, soon. We also said we want to come come to a baptism. We want to baptize some people. Uh, some people believe baptism is an act of obedience in response to faith in Christ. It's not a negotiation. It's not something you think, well, shall I, should I? If you become a Christian and you follow Jesus, you get baptized, just like Jesus did. Jesus modeled it. I got baptized by John the Baptist when he really didn't need to. And then he said to his followers, you do the same. And so we believe that's very important. And we baptized a bunch of people. 28th of June, we baptized four people. Dan, Joel, Dave, and Haley all got baptized. We had a hot tub in the corner there. That was a great time. We've got a bunch of people lined up ready for the next one, but... We did last year, it was fantastic. We had it and we hopefully will baptize a lot more people this year. The last one in the come and get was come to some men and women's nights out. Who went to a men or women's event this in the last year? Put your hands up. Good. We had the ladies, they went out to the Verdo Lounge. Have I said that right? I spelt lounge wrong here. They went out to the Verdo Lounge and did whatever ladies do at the Verdo Lounge, have drinks and, and stuff like that. They also had a games night, which they had great fun. And then the men... We went to Jimmy Spice's to an all-you-can-eat. That was good. We climbed a mountain, because that's what men do. And then we had our man versus fire at Ryan's house, where we basically just cooked meat and ate it on open fire and watched England get annihilated in rugby. So that was, a, that was a great night. So there was some excellent men's event. We'll have more. We'll let you know about coming out this year. So we had some great times there, just getting to know each other, hanging out, having fun. So as well as coming to get, we also wanted to go and show in... 2015, so we had a kind of coming together, getting to know each other, getting to know God, connecting each other, but then we want to go out and tell the good news to others. So we ran Alpha courses last year. One finished right at the beginning of the year, then we started another one straight afterwards. We had a bunch of people come on them, had a great time. We had people become Christians on them. Some of the most came Christians are actually sitting in this room now, which is fantastic. So we had lots of success on Alpha, which is brilliant. And people got to know Jesus for the first time, which is absolutely wonderful. That's what we were about. So we ran Alpha courses last year, which is wonderful. We ran our Acoustic Costa and Knit Night. Acoustic Costa was at the local Costa, just over the Windley Centre. We put some of our fab musicians on display and just had a nice evening of acoustic music hanging out together. And Knit Night, which runs at the Boldmere in Delhi, where you can go if you're interested in knitting and just hang out and do the crochet and the knitting and just be uh, kind of a relaxed atmosphere there over a coffee. We've had a bunch of those last year. We had a really good time with those. Lots of people coming along um, to them. We also did go into what we did, the fun run. We want to be a blessing to our community. We put a team into the Sutton Coalfield Fun Run, which is the biggest event in the town um, in the year. I think there's something, I forgot the number, about 7,000 people run. 
plus another, plus the same again, watch it and laugh at the runners who are committed to run. We put a team in, we said we we're going to raise some money. We had a, a frozen theme going on there. We raised about £1,300 and we were raising it for here, the youth centre. And uh, I spoke to the youth centre manager just for Christmas. And uh, she said, thank you for the money. And she said the money was going to go, she specifically, she said the, um, the young people here wanted to do a guitar-making project where they would actually literally build their own guitars, learn to play, and kind of and do that sort of thing. And she was stoked. She said the money is going to just make that happen because something they wanted to do is something I want to put on for them. We said, well, we've raised you a bunch of money. Just use it to bless the young people who come here, and she said, that's what we want to do, so I'm excited to sort of see what happens with that. We dressed up in fancy dress, and that was a great time. Who were, who were the, the hard people who ran in the fun run? Oh, yes, well done, fantastic. Um, we'll have another one soon, so, you, so I've just noted you all, so we'll do it again this year. We also ran a bunch of kids' events. We did Messy Easter, we did the Woodland Treasure Hunt, we also did uh, Messy Christmas just before Christmas. We had hundreds of children to these events and their parents, and they were outstanding. Hands up who actually went to any one of those or was involved in serving or helping those things. They were brilliant. Messy Easter, we ran in here. Lots of Easter craft, all free. Bless the community. Then we went out into the, the woods, into Sutton Park. Mike and Fliss kind of helped us put that together with Melanie, and we had a wooden treasure hunt, which involved chocolate and, and making craft out in the woods. It was brilliant. We went for a walk with our life group yesterday morning, and our boys ran past where we run the treasure hunt, and I could still tell see they were looking for chocolate. And I'm thinking, dude, you know, it's been months, but they're in that place. We're like, this is the place where we find just chocolate on the floor. And it's like, there won't be any, but give us time. We'll come back to it. So they were excellent events, and the Christmas one was brilliant. We, we, we decided to do booking online all free just to try and manage the number of people because we had so many. The whole thing booked up in a couple of weeks after one Facebook post. So there's people who love what we're doing and are, are love being blessed by it. We had um, New Day, which is a national youth event, uh, which has 5,000 plus teenagers. Can you imagine that? 5,000 teenagers in one place. <laughs> we'd never sent any teenagers there because we'd never had any. And then God blessed us with teenagers over there. And they went with our youth team. And they had a fantastic time at New Day. And I think I've got five here. Is that right? Five young people we took to the church. They had a great time, met with God. There's great worship times, teaching, and they got to hang out. And we had a brilliant time with their bunch of our guys went to kind of lead them. Plus, we also had others go from there to just serve and make the event happen um, and kind of serve on, on the teams there. So that was brilliant. Um, we also did go and get involved in a food bank. We um, serve a food bank in Erdington. And what we do is every Sunday we have... Um, a pot out here where if you could just put something extra in your shopping, it comes around on the email, kind of this is sort of roughly what they're after. Put something in your shopping, you come and put it there, and um, Jack Nixon takes it for us to the food bank, and we just regularly give to that. We had been giving to one in Sutton Carlfield, but they basically said stop doing it because we've got enough. So we said, right, we want to find another one because we want to be able to blessing and be a good news to the community. And so we've done that, and we've been doing that for, for the year, and they've been very happy with our contribution, and we want to continue and do that. So that's been amazing. Uh, we also said we were going to go and join a work party in the youth centre. This didn't actually happen. We didn't hit everything. We'd done it 12 months ago and doing some cleaning up stuff, but we never got round to it this time. So that's one of those things that didn't happen, but it's still on our radar. Maybe we'll get to it this year. And the last thing we wanted to do was to go out on the streets and basically 
let people know we were here. We ran a number of events in our run-up to Christmas. We were out on the Boldmere High Street when they did the light switch on, which were, if you were there, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people out on the street with the lights, and there were, our band was playing, sounding absolutely excellent. And we had, Melanie and Anna ran a free craft stall, which basically just was craft for kids there, you come and just do it for free, make some Christmas decorations, and it went down amazingly well because we were the only people there giving away stuff for free. <laughs> so they loved us, and loads of kids came. And then we went to the Grace Church Center over in town, did the same again, band played, sound fantastic, did some free craft for the shoppers there and just were a blessing and just said, we love you, we bless you, uh, we want to be good to this community and let people know we existed. That was a pretty good year, wasn't it? <laughs> God has been good to us. This year, and I hope just hearing some of those things and being reminded of where we're going and what God's calling us to do, as I reviewed that and looked at that, I could say I felt that God was honoring His promises to us. That He said, This is what I want you to be like. We were trying to be obedient, and God was blessing the work of our hands, and we were being fruitful and multiplying. Can you, can you get on board with that? Is that fair from what I've said? And so for me, what that does in me is it, it stokes my faith for 2016. Actually, I'm excited. God is able. I read this morning, I was reading through Joshua, I got towards the end of Joshua, and there's a bit where they, they allot the land to the Israel after they've taken the land. And there's this comment at the end of Joshua 21, which basically says that all God's promises had come to pass. So God had promised to Abraham hundreds of years before, you will have this land and that your descendants will dwell on it. And by Joshua 21, it had happened. And there's this comment that says, God had fulfilled all his promises. They'd all come to pass. And I felt that as I was going this morning, that actually, God, you have promised some stuff to us, and you are faithful to your promises. And we are seeing something. It's not all, not by a long way, but we're seeing something, and we can stand here and say, God is faithful to his promises. We serve a faithful God. And so hopefully your faith will rise as part of this, but then that should then bring a sense of thankfulness to God. And what I want to do now is I want to praise God and basically thank Him for how awesome and wonderful He is and what He's done through us. So can we do that? So if the band come and get ready, if you want to just stand up, maybe limber up, and I'm just going to pray to sort of lead us into that time together. So maybe you want to close your eyes. Open your hands, whatever you need to do, you feel you need to do to just engage with God on this. Lord God, I want to say today, Lord, I want to say you are a faithful God. Lord, we want to proclaim that truth again and again. And Lord God, we want to say how thankful we are that number one, you saved us, that you called us out of darkness into light, that we can know you, that we can have our sins forgiven, that we can be part of your family, part of your kingdom, part of what you're doing here on the earth. Lord God, and I thank you for what you've done in this church over the last 12 months. Lord God, even just reviewing those things, it is amazing what you've been doing. And really, they don't even, the heart of it, there's so many stories behind there of individuals that we haven't got time to share. Lord God, I want to thank you that you are a good God. I want to thank you that you are faithful to your promises. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you have a plan and purpose for us as a church, Lord Jesus, and we thank you. We look expectantly into 2016 of all you're going to do. Lord God, we're just going to take a moment here and say, God, we are thankful. Yeah. 
for what you've done. Thank you so much for blessing us. Thank you so much for the good times we have. Thank you so much for those who've become Christians here, those who've been baptized here, those who've kind of taken on new responsibilities in ministry. Thank you for all those you've got to bless and just do good things, run great events that people come, even our carol service just before we broke up kind of thing. 150-odd people in the room just hearing about you. Lord Jesus, we are a thankful people. Lord God, we want to say we love you. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.